So our epistle this morning is from Paul's letter to the Galatians. In the sixth chapter, he writes, My friends, if anyone is detected in a transgression, you who have received the Spirit should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Take care that you yourselves are not tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. For if those who are nothing think they are something, they deceive themselves. What Paul is saying to us there is that if somebody falls into sin, we are to forgivingly restore them. Saving our critical comments for ourselves. Keeping our criticism to ourselves because we never know when we might be the ones who need forgiveness even before the day is out. Paul says that we should stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Share their burdens and so complete Christ's law. And then he says, if you think you're too good for that, then you're badly deceived. You're only kidding yourself. How quick we are sometimes, I think, to be critical of people who fall short of our own expectations, never mind falling short of the glory of God. As fallen humans, we have this natural tendency, I think, to kick a person when they're down, don't we? And Paul is saying that we should resist that natural tendency, that temptation to criticize the shortcomings of others. Not only that, but he's saying that we should reach down and lift them up, help them move through their difficulties and their circumstances. Because we never know when we might find ourselves to be the one on the ground looking up for help, looking to others for a kind word, a loving gesture to help us get back on our feet again. And the Bible says that all fall short of the glory of God. It may not be your day to stumble, but it's coming. And we should remember the golden rule when people fall short. Instead of criticizing, we should do unto others as we would have them do unto us. So in verse 4, he says, All must test their own work, then that work rather than their neighbor's work will become a cause for pride. For all must carry their own loads. What he's saying there is that we have to make careful exploration of who we are and the work that we've been given to do. And sink ourselves into that work. Don't be impressed with yourself, is what he's saying. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of us has to take responsibility for doing the creative best 
that we can with the life that we've been given. Oh, that we would all spend time in self-examination and self-reflection from time to time. There's a wonderful passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 where Paul is in a discussion about marriage. And in the middle of that, he talks about being the best you can be wherever God has you at the moment. Wherever you are when God calls you. I think this applies not just to the marriage relationship, but to all relationships. He says, However that may be, let each of you lead the life that the Lord has assigned, to which God called you. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. But obeying the commandments of God is everything. Let each of you remain in the condition in which you were called. Were you a slave when called? Do not be concerned about it. Even if you can gain your freedom, make use of your present condition now more than ever. Do you understand? He's not saying you should remain a slave if you are a slave. What he's saying is that if you're a slave now, Make the best of it to the glory of God. Do everything as if you're doing it unto Christ. For whoever was called in the Lord as a slave is a freed person belonging to the Lord, just as whoever was free when called is a slave of Christ. You were bought with a price. Do not become slaves of human masters. In whatever condition you were called, brothers and sisters, there remain with God. In other words, bloom where you're planted. Bloom where you're planted. Verse 6, Galatians, he says, Those who are taught the word must share in all good things with their teacher. We have to be sure, those of us that have been trained in this self-sufficient maturity. Be sure that we enter into, Paul says, a generous common life with those who have trained you, sharing all the good things that you have and experience. What is he saying there? He's saying that this is the relationship with the living Christ. Being careful not to be self-reliant but rather Christ-reliant. As we grow in His Word, as we increase our Christ-likeness, as we grow into the measure of the fullness of Christ, we have to be sure that we maintain our relationship with Him through prayer, through fellowship with other believers, through church attendance, through Bible study on Wednesday nights at 6.30 in the fellowship hall, through Holy Communion, through right living, 
through the sharing of all that He taught us with others who need Him in their lives. We show our gratitude to the Christ who died for us and who teaches us through His Word. We show our gratitude by maintaining our side of that relationship. Verse 7, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For you reap whatever you sow. If you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. What he's saying there is don't be, don't be misled. No one makes a fool out of God. What a person plants, he will harvest. The person who plants in selfishness, ignoring the needs of others, ignoring God, that person harvests nothing but a crop of weeds. All he'll have to show in his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's Spirit do the growth, do that growth work in him or her, harvest a crop of real eternal life. Verse 9, So let us not grow weary in doing what is right, for we will reap at harvest time if we don't give up. So then whenever we have an opportunity, let us work for the good of all and especially for those of the family of faith. Paul's saying, let's not allow ourselves to get fatigued of doing good. Physically, mentally, emotionally. Don't get tired of doing good. And in that, don't expect that everyone will be grateful for the good that you do. If you do it expecting some type of acknowledgement of your work, then re-examine why you're doing it. Some people don't have the capacity to be grateful. Does that ever strike you? Sometimes you'll do something and you would expect a thank you in some cases. But you don't get the thank you. And we feel insulted, offended. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be courteous. When somebody gives you something, it's common courtesy to say thank you. But what I'm saying is that a lot of times people that are beat down when everything in their life is second or third hand, when they don't have what we have, particularly in this great nation of ours, and we do something for them and we expect a thank you, we forget that they may not have that ability internally. They just don't have it to give. 
But God sees that. So don't allow yourselves to get fatigued at doing good even if you don't get the gratitude that you think you're due. At the right time, we will harvest a good crop if we don't give up or quit. Right now, Paul says, right now, therefore, every time you get the chance, let us work for the benefit of all, starting with the people closest to us in the community of faith. In our missionary efforts, in our pastoral efforts, in our efforts to do good in this community, let's not forget each other. This community of faith. Let's take care of one another first so that we are equipped to take care of those around us. Verse 11. Paul says, see what large letters I make when I'm writing in my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh that try to compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. Even the circumcised do not themselves obey the law, but they want you to be circumcised so that they may boast about your flesh. What is he saying? He's saying that he wants to emphasize in the bold letters of his own handwriting. He wants to emphasize the immense importance of what he has written in this letter. He says these people who are attempting to force the ways of the law on you, and he uses circumcision as an example of that, To force the ways of the law on you have only one motive. They want an easy way to look good before others, lacking the courage to live by a faith that shares Christ's suffering and death. All their talk about the law is gas, he says, hot air. They themselves don't keep the law, and they are highly selective in the laws that they do observe. They only want you to observe the laws so that they can boast of their success in recruiting you to their size. And that, he says, is contemptible. They're not living out their faith, in other words, but they're expecting you to. And finally, in uh, verses 14 through 16, he says, May I never boast of anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is anything, but a new creation is everything. As for those who will follow this rule, Peace be upon them, and mercy, and upon the Israel of God. What he's saying here is that I am going to boast about nothing except 
the cross of Jesus. Really, all we have to boast about as human beings, as saved human beings, is the cross of Jesus. Because of that cross, Paul says, I have been crucified in relation to the world and set free from the stifling atmosphere of pleasing others and fitting into the little patterns that they dictate. Do we do that? Do we try to be accepted by molding ourselves into something that we're not? Do we try to fit into other people's expectations or do we live for Jesus and allow Him to shine through in our lives? It is not what you and I do, Paul says. Submit to the law, reject the law. It is what God is doing. And He is creating something totally new, which is a free life. A free life for each of us in Him. And that's what this day is all about. You knew I'd get to it eventually, didn't you? Independence. Freedom. The freedom that we enjoy in this country because we are a God-fearing nation. Don't let the talking heads fool you. 71% of this country are Christian. That's the truth. 71% believe that God is sovereign. And that because He is sovereign, we have freedom in this nation. Freedom as Americans. And what's more, he says that God is creating something totally new. The freedom that we enjoy now, you ain't seen nothing yet. All who walk by His standard are the true Israel of God, Paul says. That means that we as believers are God's chosen people. God's chosen people. Yes, it refers to the Jews, but it refers to the saved Gentiles as well. We are all Israel. That's an amazing freedom that we enjoy. And Paul's blessing on us comes through Paul, but comes from God. Peace and mercy be upon us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.